Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Welcome, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax, and it's a pleasure to be with you today as we are going to go where no human has gone before, through the blockchain into the metaverse of real estate investing. Zane Joffer is a serial entrepreneur who sold his last startup for over $780 million to Blackstone in 2019. He is currently a partner at Bluefield Capital, where he is buying real estate and investing in prop tech startups. So Zane, start us off by sharing a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. One experience I have when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, but our school organized a trip to some blue chip companies so we could see what it's like in that environment. Mm -hmm. And I really latched on. There was a woman there and she was a it was at IBM. It was like a marketing manager or something. And I really latched on and I, you know, had her become a mentor. Okay. And I would contact her constantly. And, you know, I was like 14 years old, 15 years old, contacting her and trying to talk through problems. And that's one lesson itself, have mentors. But I remember talking to her and I remember complaining constantly, giving reasons why things aren't working out. And she'd just be quiet. Listen, she'd say, okay, on this whole call, all I've had you do is just say why you can't do something. And you keep referring to everything as a challenge, as a challenge or sorry, as an obstacle, right? And mm-hmm. you need to see things as a challenge or an opportunity to overcome. And, you know, as kind of inconsequential as this might seem, it really did shape me because now when I encounter a problem, I don't even call it a problem, I call it a challenge. Even the word mm-hmm. obstacle, you even saw when I tried to describe the story, it's out of my memory now, you know? Everything that comes in front of you, as hard as it is, Take it as you've been dealt with a set of cards. This is the next round in the game. You got to make it work for yourself. So that's something that has shaped me, I'd say. Yeah, well, what a fabulous mentor. And what an opportunity you were provided there. Uh, I'm curious, though. I mean, it's one thing for your mentor to say that. It's one thing for you to hear that. It's another thing to actually implement that in your... How'd you do that at such a young age? How did you go... a chronic complainer to an individual who says, this is just an opportunity. Yeah, I think I became a chronic experimenter. I've literally viewed my life as a series of experiments, A-B tests. Maybe it's the tech nerd here talking, but always experimenting and radically changing things to see what works and doesn't work. I mean, that mindset lends itself very well as a founder when I started my company. And I think it served me pretty well too growing up. You know, you figure out what sticks, what doesn't stick and constantly change things. And I think in your formative years, that's when you have the chance to sort of throw spaghetti against the wall and see, you know, what works for you and doesn't work for you. And then spend the later parts of your life doubling down on your strengths rather than trying to address every single weakness. Well, that sounds like great advice for any of us. I wish I had learned that much earlier in life. Everything you're doing here in PropTech is a mystery to me, so I'm so delighted to have you with us so you can clear up that mystery. So what is property? Uh, how do you divide it into different categories? What? Yeah, PropTech really is real estate technology, and it literally is what you think it is. How can technology be used in the real estate industry? 
For a lot of folks today, unfortunately, that means Microsoft Excel or spreadsheets. That's literally how a lot of people run their operations. And that's not, in my view, the most efficient way to do things. We're now, you know, in 2022, there is a lot of great technology you can use <laughs> to bring efficiency. So PropTech ultimately yeah. is looking at technologies that can help in real estate and investing in those technologies because the market size is huge. Mm-hmm. If I were to break down PropTech further for you, I sort of have a matrix and I'm just going to go with a two by two matrix because I can get all funky talk about three, four dimensions of looking at prop tech. But one matrix would be looking at job role in prop tech. So you could have a broker, you could have a property manager, you could have an investor, you could have a tenant. You name the different stakeholders in real estate and you can overlay that as a way of looking at prop tech. When you take that overlay on those job roles, you're looking at a lot of workflow automation tools. How do these tools come in and make the work more efficient for brokers? So that's one matrix. And that's one way of creating a startup. I'm focusing on the needs of residential real estate brokers. And here's what we're going to do and here's what we're going to build. Another matrix to look at is more so asset class. And asset classes span multiple job roles. So just to be crude, you could divide the world into single family, multifamily, hospitality, whatever asset classes you want to name, you can come up with, and then you can find technologies that are used there. And when you dive into one of those verticals, let's say multifamily, okay, you're going to dive into that and you're going to think, okay, let's look at what that means. That ultimately means functions like capital raising, property management, you know, it could also mean, you know, further divided into multifamily. Are you looking at students? Are you looking at senior care? Are you looking at workforce housing? So these are sort of the lenses I view prop tech in. Well, that's interesting. And a great explanation is to, to what you mean by property tech. And Well, I've certainly uh, utilized some of them, but I know there's multiple options out there. It's a bit overwhelming in, uh, to actually uh, to know which uh, product is going to be really viable and, and which one is just going to be a cumbersome addition and a complicated learning process. Any suggestions on how to, to go out there and find uh, uh, prop tech that you're looking for and find the one that is really most viable for what your particular needs are? You know, a common complaint I hear is, oh, God, not another system I have to log into. And I don't want that. I want something that automates the way my workflow already is and makes me more efficient. I want to spend less time doing X, Y, or Z. So I often caution prop tech startups when they're pitching. Like, if you are deeply integrated into the way a broker works or an investor works, and you're trying to change their habits, you're not going to go anywhere. People are inherently lazy, and I think you just explained the very persona that exists. If I could take you and I could put those words out there, right? Ah, I don't know where to start. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which one's going to be viable. Founders sometimes fall in love with their product, and they forget to solve their needs. And that's why when you asked me to define prop tech, I started out by looking at job functions, because I really believe if you build around the needs of a certain persona, you can do really well. So to make that actionable, you want to check, A, are they integrated with your current systems? The prop tech industry is one where there's some very heavyweight systems that could be on the property management side or accounting side. You know, It could be a Yardi. 
or a real page or one of these systems? Well, are they integrated into my system? Are they integrated into the MLS? Are they integrated into the way I operate? If I run my business on Salesforce, are these guys able to plug into Salesforce? Are they trying to get me to jump onto a completely separate platform? So I, I'm a believer that startups should modify what they do to fit the way people in real estate want to work. Because we are all inherently lazy. We have so much to do. We don't want another thing on our to-do list and it's cumbersome. Absolutely. And no, uh, particular prop tech you're going into, there's always going to be uh, a learning curve. Uh, and that, to me, I guess is one of the most frustrating things about actually going out and finding uh, these new products. Uh, well, I mean, it's just time-consuming learning those things. It's frustrating to already have your systems in, and then think about having to go through that learning process. I'm always asking that question. Is that learning curve worth uh, the effort? That's why I laugh because it's crazy that still here we are today and technology solutions just don't seem to solve a core problem and they are so complicated to use. A term I use is UX, user experience. User experience is essential. You want to cut steps out. You don't want to add more steps. And, you know, I see startup pitches all day long and I look at the UX very carefully and I worry sometimes they're adding too many steps. Too many steps is going to lose the audience. You want to cut down the steps. You want to make it easy and efficient. So I'm sorry, but you know, what you're saying is unfortunately the status quo and that's why there's an opportunity. If someone just gets it right, designs a beautiful software that's easy to use, that's in the background, that makes your job easy, they'll gain adoption and you'll be happy. You'll be more efficient. If you're in the business of real estate, you're making money ultimately. If you have more time to make money, you're going to spend money on the product because it's, it's adding value to you. It's saving time or it's improving your efficiency. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtucker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Absolutely. And, and there's another, it just always rubs me the wrong way. We're reading these instructions and in different things, particularly Google was really bad at us in, in the early days. And they were always saying, well, this process is just really intuitive. <laughs> and I'm going, <laughs> well, it may be intuitive for you, but it sure isn't for me. You know, Google, I think there's a book called The Inmates Are Running the Asylum. The theory here is that if you let inmates run the asylum, they're going to run it in a very cowboy-like manner, right? Well, that's what's happening in technology. Often technology people are building products the way they think it should be. And Google is very much criticized for this. Google's belief is that we design our products so beautifully that we don't need to focus on customer support. It should make sense. You know, and there can be documentation, but we don't want a human being to speak to you because we're technology. That is extremely arrogant. It can work when you are a you know trillion dollar plus company or at that stage, hundreds of billions of dollars in the early days. <laughs> but I tend to find a lot of prop tech startups have a lot of technology backbone, but really miss what the audience needs. And the perfect combination when I invest in a prop tech startup is you'll have the business founder who really comes from the industry 
and maybe a strong technology founder. And hopefully between the two, you get a beautiful user experience. Otherwise, you need a good designer who has that on the talent team. Uh, blockchain is a new thing in real estate. There, there certainly hadn't uh, transactions carried out within the blockchain. I still don't understand blockchain. Um, you've done very well at, bro- at uh, really breaking things down to where I can really understand what you're talking about here. Can you do the same for blockchain? I still can't. I still don't understand blockchain. It changes so fast and moves very quickly. So look, the promise of blockchain is that you're not having everything centrally stored in one place, which makes it very vulnerable to being hacked. And because it's stored in one place, it's very difficult for that one central storage system to connect with another central storage system. And how that system is designed and architected can slow you down a lot. As we're explaining things in the most simple terms, blockchain unbundles that. Rather than everything being stored in one central location, it's now stored in a peer-to-peer format, which ultimately means it's open, it's interconnected like the World Wide Web in some ways is interconnected. The data is out there publicly available to access. There can be restrictions behind it, but it's publicly available to access. And it's immutable in the sense that once something happens, the record is there, the transaction is there. And it's taking control away from corporations. It's taking control away from governments. This is the purest view of blockchain, by the way. There are, I think, there's a middle ground here, obviously, where the power of blockchain can also be less you know, decentralized and transparent, but still achieve great promises. But one of the things that makes blockchain really unique, and I'll explain this in the context of real estate, is the concept of smart contracts. A smart contract is an agreement that is there now stored on this public chain and it executes when certain conditions are met. There's a company we invested in, Digibuilt, for example, and they're bringing blockchain to the construction industry. And they use smart contracts in a way, for example, where when a good is delivered, so materials are delivered, rather than having to go through and chase lien waivers and collect payments and make sure payments are sent to the right address and are sent on time, and to make sure the goods were actually delivered. In very simple terms, the truck drops off the goods. Maybe there's a sensor that you know validates the goods were delivered in good condition. As soon as that happens, the contract automatically executes, lien waivers are signed automatically, and payments are deducted. You don't need all that accounting. You don't need all that operation legal. It's all there and it's done. It's a very powerful technology. And that's only one simple narrow use case of a smart contract in the blockchain. Well, that's amazing. It actually sounds like science fiction to me. It's too big. The the process you just explained is extraordinarily complex. And by the way, that's the challenge. It is too perfect. If any of you, if any of your listeners or yourself have made them, you know, mistake of day trading. Sometimes some bad trades happen and you accidentally click buy when you meant to hit sell or you accidentally add another zero. This is happening every day in the ecosystem because you're dealing with, you know, perfection where computers do what you tell them to do. They're very stupid in that sense. If you're not very specific to a computer, it will do what you want it to do and, and suddenly you have unintended consequences. And what makes blockchain scary in some ways is there's a lot of anonymity and money can be transferred. And if you access to your wallet, which is like your bank account, okay? 
If your bank account or credit card is hacked, there's quite a lot of protection to get the money back. Unfortunately, because everything is too perfect in some ways, if someone gets access to your account, they can transfer everything you own in a second and you can never get that back. It is gone forever. And even if you didn't mean to do it, if you accidentally bought something or there was a trade that happened, it's never coming back. It's gone. Goodbye. You lose your, you heard of these stories of people who have these Bitcoin wallets and they lose their private keys and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin, they don't know where it is anymore. This industry is in its early days for sure. But it's just that that's fascinating that that Cox uh, process can be implemented within seconds, which generally, without that technology, it's going to take hours and perhaps even days to. That there's none of these middlemen taking huge fees. There's no government or corporation involved. I mean, I think the middle ground is that there will be corporations involved. Some of these are self-governing, but I don't want to get too complex. But it's a sort of a countercultural trend right now, I think. In some ways, the whole blockchain, or another word to use is Web 3.0. Mm-hmm. I criticize it a lot because it seems to be the domain of the elite, the wealthy, the tech nerds. It's difficult to explain to the masses and until we do a better job as an industry of breaking it down making it simple and blockchain is something frankly that you as a user don't need to experience it should be in the background doing everything mm-hmm. when emails are sent do you know about all the weird stuff that happens with your email bouncing to an SM- smtp server and going here or when you load a website do you really need to know or do you even care i don't want to know yeah i don't want to know Blockchain right now is far too technical in the way it is out there, and it needs to be in the background. The user experience needs to be smooth. Whatever's in the background, really, it shouldn't be your concern. But just do know that because something powerful is in the background, there's like a Lamborghini or Ferrari here in terms of the engine. It can do a lot of great things, and that will do a lot of great things in real estate. Well, explain to me what you are talking about when you're talking about tokenization of real estate. So organization of real estate, today, when you buy real estate, it is a complex process. There are so many steps involved. It's typically not accessible either. I mean, to invest in real estate, unless you know the right folks, you're pretty limited. You know, you have to maybe take on the mortgage yourself and raise the equity capital yourself, or you can syndicate it. But the bottom line is you're talking big entry numbers. And once you're in the real estate, you are stuck. You are holding that. And you have to deal with everything that comes up after that, right? And if you want to sell it, you're going to be dealing with a multi-month process. What if you could trade real estate like you trade stocks? How is it that a company that sells computers or fizzy drinks or shoes, right? You can, as a consumer, buy an ownership stake in that company. Minutes later, if you decide to change your mind, you can sell it. Why can't we do that to brick and mortar buildings where people are just, we're not producing complex electric vehicles, are we? We simply just have people paying rent to live in a home. Well, that's what tokenization is. Tokenization is taking the underlying real estate and the ownership of that real estate and fractionalizing it into something called tokens. Security tokens as defined by the SEC. Okay, These security tokens now can be bought in seconds. And with the right regulatory framework in place, you could buy a token for as little as $50. Now, imagine that. Imagine being able to buy a share of a major building in front of you or, you know, a group of multifamily apartments or a single family home in Texas. 50 bucks 
available mainstream to consumers. Tokenization is probably the most disruptive trend in real estate. We're still in the very early days, but it is going to disrupt every part of real estate. Hmm. Eventually, just how if you're advising a friend of yours and your audience is real estate, they probably have a lot of their net worth in real estate. But if we look outside of real estate, you're advising people, what do they typically say? Go buy an index fund, go buy some stocks, have some cash and have some bonds. I'm outraged at that. Real estate should be a major part of people's portfolio, but it's currently the domain of people who have access and have wealth. Why can't real estate be a portion of everybody's you know, portfolio as equal as it is to stocks? I used to say and believe 50% of the net worth should be in stocks and 50% of it, you know, should probably be in bonds and safer assets. And then I became a little bit more, you know, riskier and wanted to have startup investments and private equity. But now I'm of the belief that, you know, real estate should probably be a core pillar of your portfolio as much as stocks are. And tokenization can allow that to happen. You can have tokens that represent ownership in real estate. Well, how is that uh, from the REITs? Well, REITs do offer that. But what they offer is a collection of assets. If you unbundle a REIT, now you have the individual asset itself. A REIT may have hundreds of buildings, you see. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. REITs are governed in a certain way too, by the way. What tokenization allows you to do is just to buy the individual asset, that individual home, the individual building, or whatever else that token represents. A token doesn't have to represent equity, by the way. It could also represent debt. Tokenization as a term is more interesting because we're going back to this blockchain. These tokens are stored and are transacted on the blockchain. That's where the magic is now. Now you see why it's very easy to transact. Within seconds, you could place a trade and anyone in the world, in Zimbabwe, in Indonesia, in New York, could participate in that trade. Subject to rules and regulations in the SEC, of course, right? Because it's still an emerging industry. Yeah. Well, very fascinating. Well, um, tell our viewers and listeners what you specifically have to offer and uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I am uh, an investor in real estate and I run a venture capital fund, which is why I was brought on the show. We invest in prop tech startups. So that's what I'm about. I also uh, have a newsletter, proptechvc.com. And you're free to go there and subscribe. And if you ever want to reach me on zane at proptechvc.com. Wonderful. And all that information will be certainly in the show uh, so you can get in touch with Zane. Well, Zane, one last one. Uh, we're just about out of time here, but could you just real quickly explain to us what is the metaverse? <laughs> really quickly, the metaverse is a virtual world where people can live, work, and play. That sounds scary, but that's possibly what the future might look like. Where rather than being stuck on your phone or a screen, you might be in a virtual reality environment, or you might have an identity that can traverse these virtual worlds. This is like a whole other show potentially to talk about the metaverse, but is there much similarity to real estate? I hate to break it to you. No, there isn't. People are misusing the word metaverse and real estate. And they describe the metaverse as it's like buying land in New York City 150 years ago. And I've written articles about this on Forbes and many other publications. That is dangerous. It's not true. I believe 99% of what's out there in the metaverse is really about gaming and entertainment and a bit of education. 
The parallels to real estate are very slim. And I've had debates about this. I love it. I still hold my strong opinion on this. Most of the metaverse things I've seen are not related to real estate. And people are misusing the term to get real estate people excited so they go in and start buying virtual land. The metaverse has amazing potential. It's a multi-trillion dollar industry, but it is not virtual real estate in the way physical real estate is. Thank you for explaining. That has always been what I have considered it to be and what I have always thought. You have got to be crazy. You cannot put raw land or brick and mortar buildings in the metaverse. So thank you for pointing that. And you're correct. I, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. Well, Zane, it's been wonderful having you. It's been a very enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.